You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So if you were with us last time, just last week, we were doing a show on have we made sex a deity and having just kind of a wandering where we were chewing on things and kind of on the air. I, I even surprised Shannon with the whole show on the air. She had no clue it was yeah, coming. Yeah, you, you ambushed me. Yeah, I did, and she <laughs> did well and has helped frame the discussion. And, you know, just a real quick, real quick recap of where we were. By the way, welcome to Sex and Marriage Radio, where we love hearing from you. So if some of that has, you know, stirred some thought for you, and you haven't sent us something to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, please do, because we would love to hear your thoughts, your comments, your questions, even help, you know, give us feedback to frame our thought process, because I think we're always in the process of evolving and becoming. And when we're not, we're just dying. <laughs> I guess mm. is, I guess is a good way to think of that. Yeah. So you could also jump on iTunes, give us any kind of review that helps us uh, spread the word and climb the charts in the sexuality category where there's a lot of anything goes. And we believe that married sex is the blessed and best place to have it happen. And we want to see it be all it can become. So we were talking last time, last week, about just this idea of if what, 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 how much meaning and importance and priority and even godlike things do we place on sex to where it's not good, even? But then it shifts to when is sex actually pointing us to goodness and God and spirituality and wholeness and love? And that's where we ended, is it not? I mean, I think that's kind of we, we got to that point and then. And the whole question of have we turned sex into an idol or how do we know if we are idolizing sex or are we just letting false guilt creep in? Because I do think, you know, as much as, you know, Christian believes in God, I think we also have to at least give a nod to the fact that the antithesis of God also exists. And I think that Satan would love to make us think that sexual intimacy and marriage is something that is drawing us away from God. And therefore you need to give that up. And that would just be such a, a clever ruse trick ploy, you know, to pull on God's people. So I want to be really careful, but I get it. I get it. Sometimes we do, we idolize sex. We elevate it to a level where we worship the creator or the creation instead of the creator. Right. And Corey, you and I had talked about, you know, just some of the ways that it might be a big red flag of, yeah, you're probably doing that. You're probably idolizing sex. So here's the three bullet points that I had written down is when we use sex outside of marriage to try to, you know, get pleasure or draw close to a person or whatever, that that's outside of God's prescription Mm -hmm. of what he intended for sex to be. Mm -hmm. Um, That when we use sex to fill a void, in our lives, if we're initiating sex out of our emptiness, yep. expecting that our spouse, it's our spouse's responsibility to fill us back up, that that's, uh, that's certainly idolizing sex rather than looking to God to fill you up and loving your spouse out of the overflow of that or forcing your agenda on your spouse, not being respectful of the fact that they may not be comfortable with what you perceive could be fun or playful or fulfilling, right. uh, just honoring the essence of who they are. Right. 
Um, so yeah, do you got any more you want to add to that before we shift gears? And I would love to talk about how do we know when we are spiritualizing sex in a good, positive and healthy way? No, I don't have anything to add except for just to say that if you are first now listening to this show and haven't listened to the one prior, go there. Because <laughs> it'll yes, help. This is part two. It'll help. It'll help frame where we are. I mean, I imagine this will be a good standalone that you could see the sequel without knowing the the the, the prequel, or the original. But there's still things that will will draw from that conversation that will help make more sense with where this is with our conversation today. Yeah, it's a really intriguing question that that you have posed, Corey. How often? Do we deify sex? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's almost like a question that smacks you in the face, isn't it? <laughs> it did me when I came across <laughs> I it. It's tell. like it's like, oh, well, I I need to wrestle with this because I think this is there's something here. There's there's something deeper here, and I, I want to spend some time with it and and grow into this. Yeah. So how can we know? Because I had mentioned before that I feel as if, granted, there are many people on the planet who do deify it, who do idolize it, who do use it as um, a means to uh, to pleasure, to connection, rather than a response to the connection that they have with their spouse. Um, I, I certainly think that we can use it in a really unhealthy way and apart from what God intended but I also think that there are lots of people on the planet, myself included in this category too. I mean, I've been in both categories at different seasons of my life. So I think I think that we I think that we'd all have to admit that we've been in both camps at different times. But I think that a lot of people don't spiritualize it enough. Right. That they don't recognize the wonder and the beauty and the awe and that God created this. This is not right. just something that man said, well, hey, that looks good. And woman was like, ooh, that feels good. And they were like, well, let's just do this right. you know, and hope that God's not looking. It, that's so not you know, the way that it all transpired. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think of it. Here's a, here's a question to ask in this on this topic, Shannon, is when when you look at your sexual behavior, would an observer conclude that God invented sex or the devil invented sex? Ah. Well, and the question that I like to pose to my audiences when I speak is, which came first, the fall of man or sexual intimacy? Right. And if you look at Genesis, it's very, very clear that God gave husbands and wives sexual intimacy before the fall of man ever even entered the picture. So there is nothing sinful about sex within marriage. Right. And I get kind of a little bit out of shape when people try to paint the picture that perhaps there is, because I feel like that's kind of heresy. Uh, it's kind of like spraying graffiti over the masterpiece of, you know, like if someone walked into a, the Sistine Chapel and started, you know, letting go with spray can, spray paint cans on Michelangelo's artwork, right. you, know, you would just be mortified. And right. that's what I feel like sometimes when people try to insinuate that, that sex is bad even within marriage. I so do not agree with that. Right, right. Um, as a matter of fact, Corey, before we dive into making this list, let me tell you about a conversation that I had at Liberty University when I was working on my master's in counseling. Our professor posed the question, how is your relationship with God sexual? Right, and 
and we've talked about there's a show on this i'd have to find the title i mean but we've, yeah, we've done well, some stuff on this before but it's it, a good it's, refresh let's go yeah if it's okay i want to hit the highlights Please of do. just the words that we come up with we, we divide it into small groups we chewed on it for two hours so in our relationship both in our sexual relationship with our spouse and in our spiritual relationship with god there's trust there's full acceptance closeness openness there's risk, purpose, euphoria, vulnerability, deep desire, connection, honesty, intimacy, pleasure, completion, genuine interest, true communion, life-giving transference, humility, passion, transcendence, and synergy. And I think the list could go on and on. <laughs> yes, it could. Yeah, but that kind of gives folks, hopefully an idea of where we're coming from. Sex is spiritual. Yep. There's no way around it. Sex yep. is spiritual. We are sexual beings and we are spiritual beings. And there's no divorcing ourselves from those two truths. They are woven into the fibers of our being and will be sexual and spiritual from the day we're conceived until the day that we die. Right. So how can we know that we are treating sex with the dignity and the honor and the, the spiritual reverence that it deserves? It's a great question because I think that's something that's a lifelong journey, isn't it? That it's it's a it's a constant process of developing. And it's an evolution. Yes, it is. It, uh -huh. it, it's a growing. Because to me it boils down to the concept if if I'm going to see sex in a spiritual framework, it's the whole idea of knowing and being known. Mm, intimacy, intimacy. Right. That I, because if you go back to the garden, Adam and Eve, you know, the culmination of creation was they could walk around naked and have no shame. Right? Yep. And what's the first thing that happens after the fall? They realize they realize they're naked. And, you know, and God says, <laughs> I love that question. And a God who says, told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? You know, I was like, <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just this feeling I have. And yeah. so I think. We all have, to some degree, a shame when it comes to our vulnerable nakedness. And this doesn't necessarily mean physical. This is just being known. How much do we hide? And in sex, you can't hide. Yeah. And but, how, how much do you fear asking for what you would truly find pleasurable? Exactly. That's hiding. Even, if, it? it's, even if it's unconventional. Yep. Even if it might shock or surprise your spouse, yep. are you comfortable letting them into your innermost thoughts and yep. fantasies? And yeah, it, it, I, I like I like that concept of just um, you know removing the fig leaf even from our minds. Of can you let your spouse know everything about you, and trust that they're going to love you anyway, and they're going to want to be with you, and, and that if anything that vulnerability is going to make them want to be with you all the more. Exactly. Cause if you could be more vulnerable, that means you you're more vulnerable. That makes complete that, no sense, but <laughs> that it, was deep. You know, yeah. That's profound. Stop the tape. Let's let it in there. But no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the idea of if I'm going to be willing to put myself out there, that means I'm capable of taking that risk because it's not contingent because that's where it comes down to, oh, I could hear people saying, and I've had this in my office and, and people that have been in classes that I do on simple marriage, that, 
oh, if I would love to do that, but my spouse will abuse that. My spouse, you know, and I, so that's where trust becomes a manipulation in my book, Shannon, lots of times mm-hmm. is it's this whole idea of, you know, Shannon, I want to tell you something about me, but I want to make sure you make me feel safe before I tell you, because I need to be able to trust you. Well, that's a manipulation. If I want to tell something about you, about me, then I tell something about me. <laughs> that's it. I trust myself to handle whatever it is you may or may not do with it. Yeah. And I think that it's really important that everyone understands that just because we say something out loud in the moments of intimacy and passion and euphoria and pleasure, that doesn't mean that that person actually wants to act that thing out. Sure. That this is merely a fantasy. Fantasy serves a purpose. Go back and listen to our our um, shows on the fantasy fallacy and the role that fantasy plays in our sex lives and in our life in general. Uh, But yeah, the two words that come to my mind when I think of, you know, being that open and honest with your spouse is first of all, trust. I think you're honoring them by saying, I trust you with this. Right. I trust that you're not going to use this against me, that you're not going to try to twist my arm to act it out, that you're not going to belittle me for having the thought in the first place. Yep. And you're also giving, I wrote down the word permission. You're also giving your spouse permission to be who they are. Uh, weird thoughts and all. Uh, sex is weird. That's the bottom line. Sex is weird. <laughs> and and you're giving them permission to be weird too. Yep. And then they don't have to feel so bad and awkward about just the the unconventional thoughts or fantasies that roll around in their mind. There is safety. There's freedom and there is safety in the marriage bed as long as you know that these are only thoughts and fantasies that fuel our energy levels for one another and create an even deeper bond because nobody else on the planet knows these things about us except for each other. But it, it just should never be used as ammunition or as arm twisting fodder uh, for the future. Right. So yeah, trust and permission, vulnerability, nakedness, knowing, being known. When yeah. else can we know that? Well, I know for me personally, the times that I feel most drawn to wanting to connect sexually with Greg is when he holds me in his arms and prays for me. Yeah. That creating that spiritual connection first, sex is a response to that closeness that's already been created spiritually. It's not a means to closeness in that moment. Although there are times that that we use sex as a means to closeness and there's nothing wrong with that. But I definitely think that uh, creating some balance in there and letting sex be a response to the spiritual closeness and the emotional connection you already have is really important right. in the life of a marriage. Right. And that's that's where we touched on a little bit last week with the idea of bringing your passion to it. Because to me, spiritually based sex or sexuality, it's passion and it's mind and brain driven rather than just biology and hormone driven. One And one of my clients recently said to me, uh, Shannon, I've figured out that sex without love is like dancing without music. Okay. It just doesn't feel as yeah. fulfilling, rewarding, energizing, fun. It's not a full body thing. It's yeah. It's just an awkward moving your body around <laughs> and bumping and grinding, but not a deeply soul stirring experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. It, it goes to the whole idea of, of how much of yourself are you engaged in life? How much of yourself are you engaged in sex? Because it is, it's about giving and receiving. It's, it's, it's looking to be pleased as well as please. It's, 
It's being involved in the moment to moment thing without an agenda. It's, you know, it, it, it's being comfortable being in your own skin. It's, it's being yes. comfortable being seen that and it's not just a physical thing. It doesn't mean just turn the lights on and be seen. It means open your eyes and let somebody in behind the eyeballs. Yes. And give your spouse permission to be comfortable in their own skin right. as well. That, that it communicates so much because if you're not comfortable, how can you possibly expect your spouse to feel comfortable? You, it really is a gift that you're giving them to relax into it yep. and just wallow in the shamelessness of and, it all. And then at the, on the flip side of that is Shannon learning how to take your spouse's disconnection less personal. <laughs> as weird as that sounds that I don't take it personal if they're not present because maybe that's something that they need to grow into and because how often do we do we turn that into you know there's a problem that occurs in sex let's say and we personalize it it's oh it's my fault as opposed to wait what if this has nothing to do with me what if this is their deal and they're growing and their process and their next step in becoming or and, maybe or maybe as they close their eyes and appear to be drifting somewhere else, maybe they're really just saying, Oh God, this feels amazing. That you know, maybe, yeah. maybe they're actually praying in that moment. It, it's could not be. unheard of. It some could people, be. Some people may be rolling their eyes and going, Oh please, that's not what they're doing. There've been many times that I just totally closed my eyes and the different place that I went to was more of a heavenly plane yeah. of God. Show me what you, you know, show me the fullness of what you intended this earthly experience to be like. And it wasn't that I was disconnecting from my husband. It was just that I was trying to connect more fully with God in that moment. But I, I don't think that a spouse should be, you know, should feel dishonored by that at all. Yeah. And that, but that's just it, because how often do we react to our partner's reactions? <laughs> you know, that's where yeah. we, that's where we get off the rails. Yeah. And having expectations sure. that they should do and say, and, you know, lean a certain way and hold your mouth just right. And, you know, breathe this fast or slow, or, you know, it's just ridiculous. Some of the expectations and, and that that's where you need to press the pause button and make a list of what do these particular actions communicate to me? What, what am I reading into this? And then ask your spouse, am I correct on this? Chances are you're not. Right. Yeah. But, but it also is at the same time when you notice these things that, Okay, I'm not going to overreact to your overreactions of things. That I'm mm. I'm I'm going to stay present. I'm going to calm myself and see what happens next. And this takes place outside of the bedroom too. That you know, you have a blow up. Let's say you have a cycle that you constantly go through whenever you have a blow up that you could almost switch roles and know the argument. Cuz that's the way married life is. So what if you were to say, "Okay, wait, I'm not going to react the way I normally do in this, and I'm going to see what happens. <laughs> That'll show them. I'm going to totally change the rules, and it's not a manipulation. It's a, I'm going to be more present and be me in this moment. And let them be them yep. in this moment. And then I'll see what I'm going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be a great learning and growing experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Corey, as I envision, you know, like the question, how do you know? How do you know that you're using sex as a spiritual connecting, spiritually connecting tool? How do you know that you're not deifying it or idolizing it, but yet you are respecting it and the and and you're just enjoying it to the fullest that God intended? Right. And here is, I think, a good I, I'll call it a thermometer question. You know how 
if you suspect that you might be coming down with something, you immediately grab the thermometer and check to see, are you running fever? Right. So here, here would be kind of the litmus test, if you will, of whether you are looking at this through a healthy spiritual lens or not. How do you feel about the experience after it's over? Okay. Because I totally envision, you know, like back in, you know, the dating days when we were having sex and we didn't, you know, we shouldn't have been. And this was, this is not with Greg. Greg was a virgin when we married. And I'm so grateful for that. But, you know, with the other men that I was with, immediately after, there would just be all this shame rush in. Right. And there would be all this insecurity rush in. Right. And there would be all this fear of, is he going to respect me in the morning? Is he ever going to call me again? Might I have gotten an STD? I mean, there was just, it, it was all this negative emotion that came flooding in. And that negative emotion should have been teaching me, this is not what God intended. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe these emotions are here for a reason. But with my husband, when we have really great, passionate sex, I can't explain the feeling except to say that I literally feel as if I want to become his Siamese twin, but not in a codependent clingy way. Right. I just want to hold him so tight that our skin literally like, you know, squeeze him so tight that he comes out the other side of me, you know, of just, I, I, I want to internalize who he is and I want to share who I am with him. And oftentimes we don't think to pray before we have sex, but it leads us to pray after sex just because we're so moved by what the Holy Spirit has done through that encounter that after the cat naps are over, it just seems to be the most natural response in the world to just hold each other and to thank God for what we have yeah. and what we're building and what continues to evolve in our relationship. So I think that how you feel after the experience tells you. Is this a spiritually healthy thing or is this a spiritually unhealthy thing right now? Exactly. Because that goes back to this idea of, is this something that is life-giving and lasting? Or is it just something that makes me feel better in the moment? And, and it's trying to scratch an itch, and that's it. That's the only reason, is because that's, that's the emptiness side, isn't it? That's the anxiety release side. That's the, you need to help me feel better about me, as opposed to, yeah, that's part of it, but man, there's so much more. There's the, the, we're creating something so much deeper and so much longer lasting. Mm -hmm. And I would say a great litmus test for if one spouse is having sex out of emptiness rather than out of fullness would be: is there resentment in the other partner afterward? Yeah. If, if that partner feels resentful, if they feel used, if they feel abused, if they feel taken advantage of. That needs to be discussed. And right. I realize that that's a really painful, awkward discussion to have. But how else are you going to work through those feelings? You have to feel it to heal it. And you have to verbalize it to really help your spouse understand what's happening here that's making them feel this way. Right. Right. And I mean, that, that's the idea of knowing and being known, isn't it? It's, it's allowing you to, here's where I am. Here's, here's what's going on. Here's, here's me in the process of becoming. When, and I love how you explained how at one point in your marriage, you s talked about this recently, Pam sat you down and said, look, this is not what I signed up for. And you let it inspire you to a greater level of right. connection and intimacy. Right. You didn't take it personally. You didn't pout. You didn't pick up your toys and go home. You, you engaged. You let that be the impetus that catapulted you down a much healthier 
path and look at you guys now. Yep. So sometimes that awkward conversation could be the best thing that ever took place because if you don't know that your spouse feels disconnected or empty or resentful or used or abused, how are you ever going to fix it? Well, and how do you ever create something great without struggle? <laughs> I mean, come That's on. That's so true. Come on. How do you how do you <laughs> overcome anxiety in a good way without discomfort? I mean, there You know, it's it's so funny that you say that just at this moment because outside my office window there is a a, a very hefty person jogging uphill. Yeah. And it was just such a beautiful characterization of they're working hard. Yes. They're really exerting effort to create something. To and I say and I say to and them, help. go, 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 yes, go. Yes. Yeah. Cause that's that's just it. I mean, I I, I have a there's times where I'll get an email from somebody because they've read something on Simple Marriage or they've listened to a show and they say, you know, I'm really nervous about bringing some of this up because we're in a really good place right now. <laughs> you seem to be in a really good place right now. Well, no, it's true because, I, you know, you get those points in life where you're kind of coasting and it's clicking and it's like, oh, yeah, there's something just under the surface that I want to bring up because it's kind of an, it's gnawing at me. But, man, I don't know if I want to rock the boat. But if it's clicking because you're hiding behind masks yes. and keeping secrets and not being honest and real about what you're feeling, how effective is yes. that clicking? It, well, <laughs> it, it means eventually when you coast, you die. So you might yeah. as well rock the boat to keep things going better down the road now, as opposed to, I'll just wait till a, a, a better time comes up. And see, I just looked out the window to see if somebody was driving by pulling a boat, but no such luck. Uh, well, but <laughs> we can't time everything like that real well sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think that when you feel closer to God because of the closeness that you feel with your spouse, that's a really great sign of health. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of sexual intimacy that I would question. Why would you fast from that for a full year or yeah. any length of time unless yeah. God specifically told you to? Well, and it, let's let's take it just for the audience that that doesn't fit that mode, the of when you feel quintessentially yourself, as far as the ability to give and receive, the ability to please and be pleased, the ability to serve somebody else, to love. Somebody else with no strings attached. That's if, if you're coming out of that place, that's life giving. That's out of fullness. That's that's yes. edifying somebody else. That's where I'm not looking to just get something for myself. You know, great spiritual sex is is rarely one sided, yeah. if if ever. <laughs> it's it's yeah, both totally. people. Both people are into it, and it may not be you're into it because of an orgasm. It's, I'm into it because of the connection, you know, because I think spiritual sex has less to do with genitals than it does with body. Right. Sometimes it's just simply, I'm the only person on the planet who gets to drink this person in with my eyes and their body is, is just a, a thing of such wonder and awe. And I'm not talking about because they're size two or Abercrombie and right. Fitch, you know, right. six pack type thing. I'm talking about just. I just think the human body is just thinking amazing. I, I, yeah. I and, and my husband is the only person on the planet that I can look him over every square inch and enjoy that process and not feel one ounce of guilt or anxiety or awkwardness about that. And right. the reverse is true. I can share my body with him without guilt, shame, or inhibition. And it just creates 
a really special feeling yep. of I'm not alone in this world. Yep. I, I'm I'm not alone. I am together. We are a, 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 we're a team. We are one. That that the two really are one. And looking at him isn't any more awkward than looking at myself. And yep. there's just such a an awe to that. There really, really is. And this is the whole process of knowing and being known, the process of becoming, which to answer the question that I first started this whole <laughs> thing down, you know, two show, a show ago was, are we deifying sex? Well, if you look at life, are you in the process of becoming and creating something meaningful? There's That's where you start. Because even when you're talking about you can look at Greg without any shame. He can look at you without any shame. I'm sitting there thinking, can you look at yourself without any shame? Oh, good question. That's, that's a deeper, <laughs> that's the, that's what points us in the directions we need to be going. Yeah. And if, and if you feel as if your sex life is truly drawing you closer to God, then you don't need to feel an ounce of guilt about any of that. But if you feel as if your sex life is actually hindering your connection with God, that's a sex life that I would fast from. Okay. And I would press the pause Perfect. button and say, let's look and see what's going on. Because if sex isn't drawing us closer to God and closer to one another, then it's broken and let's work on fixing it. Perfect. And that's, yeah, that's a good way to kind of wrap this whole thing up because it, it is something that we all are in a journey, you know, while we're here. There's, there, there's, there's things that we do and we contribute to life it's it's legacies it's helping others it's the interconnectedness of being and the world is best served by you being your best self and so that's our path forward for you for me for everybody that listens to the show i think and, yeah, and if everybody brought their best self to the marriage bed wow and we would wow. all we would all be among the blessed few and very few people would be listening to this show because they'd already be too busy having sex. Yeah, they wouldn't need us. They wouldn't need us at all. <laughs> We'd be out of jobs, girl. Well, it's been fun, Corey. Thanks has. for introducing this topic. Yes, and so thanks for hanging with us if you stuck through both shows. I'm proud of you, and I want to hear what you think. So send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We love your feedback. We love your questions. And wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, I hope and pray that it is creating the best you that you can become. Because that's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's what your family needs. That's what your spouse needs. So wherever you are on this journey, I hope we see you next time. Thanks for spending it with us this time. Bye -bye. God bless.